Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. MG, America's home for college sports. Live from Jake and Joe's in Waltham, this is the Boston College Football Show presented by Bud Light. For the next hour, we'll have special guests and you can get caught up on Eagles football. The Boston College Football Show is presented by Bud Light, famous among friends. Also sponsored by Bletzer and Bletzer PC, developing long-standing relationships with the clients we serve since 1959. McGovern Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, driven by you. And by Village Bank, your village your bank. Now it's time to talk BC football with the head coach Steve Adazio. Here's the voice of the Eagles, John Meter Perel. Hi, what's good, everybody? Happy Monday, and welcome to Jake and Joe's in Waltham for the BC football show. It's great to have you with us. With the coach Steve Adazio, I'm John Meter Perel. Also, Pete the Hammer Cronin is here once again. My hammering days are behind me. No, that's not what I heard. I think you're, you're building houses in Maine now, aren't you? I'm building nothing. <laughs> building my reputation back. You didn't know Corona was good with a nail, did you? Well, when, every, well, when everything looks like a nail, you act like, well, when you are a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Is that how it works? I don't know. I'm not too handy. No, that's Neither it. Am I. Neither am I. We went over that. On the, yeah, no, uh, there's not, not a lot of carpenters in your family. No, not at all. It's called call, call somebody. <laughs> that's, that's what it goes down yeah. You look, he's looking at my wardrobe again. I didn't wear enemy colors today. No, you're appropriate. Am I appropriate? Yeah, quite, in fact, quite. you got Under Armour on. Looks good. All right, good. All right, we're, we're all good. But i got to tell you, it was an outstanding ball game at Clemson, an outstanding 53 minutes of football for Boston College. Pete and I thought we were going to call one of the great upsets in school history, the way things were going. What was going through your mind on the sideline throughout the game? Well, I thought that, uh, you know, we went down there with the mindset that we were going to punch him in the face and, we we're going to play relentless and be as physical as we could be. And I thought we did those things. We knew we had to have great special teams to control the field. We were going to have a mindset on defense that we're going to make them go to the long field. I thought we did that offensively. We wanted to try to play the field position game, be able to run the football. We knew we'd get about four or five shots in that game that could be difference makers. And uh, we, you know, didn't didn't complete on enough of those. Um, but we played hard. We played physical. I thought our kids had a tremendous demeanor about them. We were able to silence that stadium, and uh, um, you know, uh, I, I thought we we played as, as as good as you can play against them. And you really made it a grueling affair for the Clemson offense. You wanted to create a long field. It was hot for both sides. They're probably more used to that than you guys are. So obviously, playing in that type of climate, but it looked like it was just a sled pull for them to get anything going. And that's a testament to your defensive game plan. Yeah, I think so. I think. I thought early on we made some plays on offense. We tilted the field, and uh, we had an opportunity, obviously, to kick a field goal for three points, which would have put us at 10-7 deep into the fourth quarter. Um, and we knew it would be that kind of game. I mean, our, we told our kids, let's, get them, let's drag them into the fourth quarter. And that was our mindset. We had to drag them into the fourth quarter. You've got to be careful with that team. And, and that, that, you know, we accomplished that goal. We were just we're not able to finish it off. 
we had a couple of injuries occur during that game, and, 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 and on defense, one of those became critical. And, uh, you know, um, even though who we had go in did a great job and, and, and really going to be a, a great, fine player, um, you know, we had a couple, we had, really had two plays that hurt us. There was two plays in the, in, in the body of that game. One we were in perfect position for, that we just went up and didn't make the play, and one where we had an opportunity for an open hit that we missed and create a, a big run right. that tilted the field. So all in all, you know, uh, I know at the end, you know, we, we, you know our, we gave up a punt return, and, and that set up a little bit of a cascade at that point in time. But yep. um, the body of that game, um, was was really good. I felt like that would, you know, we should have had that 10-7. And when that should have been 10-7 game, nine minutes into the fourth quarter, and then battling to try to turn that into 17 or 13 and hold them where they were. And that's how you got to beat that team. And, and you know, um, I think our kids played really hard. I think our coaches did a great job putting together a great game plan on all three phases. And uh, I think it's, once again, you know, we've played some outstanding teams right now. I mean, as elite teams there are in the country right now, and yeah. we've went toe-to-toe with them. Uh, that's the good news. Um, you know, of course, the bad news is we didn't come away with a win. Right. And, you know, we took, some, we took some losses. When you play those kinds of games this early in a row like that, you know, we've taken some losses, you know. I read about some of these teams that are playing nobody, and they're off to these big 4-0 starts, and, you know, uh, we haven't had that luxury, but through that, I think we're forging, if we can stay healthy enough, we're forging what can be, you know, the foundation of a really good football team. I noticed the, before the game, a couple things. Um, first thing I noticed is a week ago following the Notre Dame game, you seemed to consciously control the dialogue from what was a lot, there was a lot of negativity coming off that game. You forged a very positive message coming off that game. Now, by design, I assume. Listen, I, I, I'm a guy that, you know, what you see is what you get, and what I say is what I believe. And what I believe was, um, you know, we had coming into that Notre Dame game, we had an issue uh, week two. We lost our senior center. We had to come in here with a freshman who never played. We documented that. I thought... After that first week, you know, we, we got that situation settled pretty quickly against a really good opponent in Notre Dame. And then that week going in, we had another situation, and I thought we did a really great job of getting that solved. And that was obvious going into Clemson. And I think what we've done is continue to develop this young football team. Um, when I say young, I mean the quarterback and, and, and a couple of key positions on offense and on defense. And... and We've overcome some tough situations that anybody would have. And we're doing that while we're playing some of the very finest teams in college football right now. And so I'm very optimistic of our football team, um, of where we are. Um, and so I'm not about to do anything more than every day go out and develop our team to get better each day and each week. Because I know that um, if we keep pounding at that rock right now, what we're forging is a really good football team. It never probably comes exactly the way you want it to, exactly when you want it to. But the $60 million question is, if you know football and you look at football, you know, do, do you have the, the clay? Do you have, you know, the team with the right mindset and the attitude and the toughness and the skill level that will develop and become what you want it to be? And the simple answer is obviously overwhelmingly 
yes. And the hard thing for everybody is understanding that we play in extremely tough conference and extremely tough side of that conference. And, uh, you know, and, and that's a good thing. No one, no one's, no one's making excuses for that. That's a good thing, right. but understand that. Um, and it's different. It's never been to this level. The ACC's never been to this level. And our, we have, we're playing the ninth rated uh, schedule in the country right now. And we're going toe to toe with it. And, uh, um, I know what, what's going to happen as we roll forward. Okay. The, the, the key is staying as healthy as we can right now. And that has not been good fortune for us right now. No. But hopefully we stop the bleeding, no pun intended there, okay? <laughs> and we keep the mindset and the confidence strong. What happens in the world we're in today is, every, you know, there's a, there, there can be, you know, a lot of negativity, and that's unfortunate, but that's life. And I think our kids have a great mind frame. We're like all for one and all for one, uh, one for all and all for one. We're kind of in that foxhole together right now. Uh, we love our players. Uh, they love us. And, and there's a real bond here right now. And I think what, what you do with that is you have each other's back. You give the best that you have to each other. And you have faith and confidence that good things will come. Take us through what happened at the end of the half when there was a bench misconduct. And you were out in the field, and you yeah. were trying to get an explanation from the officials, and we didn't uh, know what was going on. No, I, 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 was yeah, going I wasn't on. trying to get an explanation. Um, here's what happened. Um, they Obviously, they misspotted the ball three times. And um, so when we finally had the final spot of the ball, we called the play. Okay, we had to change it each time. Yep. And, and we called the play. And then as our team was running on the field, they were just about up towards the line of scrimmage, they picked up the ball and moved it again to the other hash. So obviously the play was called the wrong way. So I simply went on the field to call a timeout because we couldn't run the play like that. And the new rule now is that coaches, anybody, can't go on and argue calls. No one was arguing any call. Yeah. This was simply a function of I need a timeout. We're on the wrong hash. The play's called the wrong way. I knew I had the timeout there, so I had to try to use the timeout. And they threw a flag and... They know that that wasn't accurate. Um, and these, you know, with the new rules, there's a lot of unintended consequences as you work through these things. But the rule, the intention of the rule is that you're not going on arguing with officials. That's not what this was about at all. This was about tr trying to make, we had the wrong play called. Yeah, I mean, of and course. I, I, there's nothing I can do about that. That's So you and, wanted and a timeout. And you, and I had to get a timeout want. because I had to get the play right. And. I w that wasn't our responsibility. They, they know that they misspotted the ball. That's all been cleared. That's so they talked to you about that after the game or today? Both. They, they, that's clear. That, that so it's second down and eight instead of second down and 23. And it's also, <laughs> and it's, and it's also the hash. Yeah, you know, we, we got that. I mean, that was easy, fact. right? There was a real com yeah. None yeah. of this was real com. I mean, this wasn't complicated. I mean, nope. everybody, I think everybody in the stadium knew what had happened and how it went down, and it's just unfortunate. It's like and, Keystone Cops. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not, listen, I'm not here to be critical about anything. It, it, that did not impact the game, um, and thank goodness. And the reality of it is, as I said, you know, um, we have the right to go out, and we're, we're encouraged, you know, in those stadiums, no one can hear anybody, right? It's not like you can, yeah. I can't yell five feet in front of me and anybody's going to hear me, to go out and be able to get a timeout, yeah. okay? And so that's what was going on there. And, it, you know, it just was so bang, bang. And and it's unfortunate, but it's put to bed and it's what it is. And uh, 
I think with this new rule, there's anytime they put a new rule in place, there's some growing pains right. and some unintended consequences. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I just say, fortunately, it didn't have bigger consequences, you know, but uh, um, that's exactly what happened. Now, I, something I noticed, too, uh, you're this deep into the season. I can't believe we're this far along already. Um, two things. Now, number one, you seem to be very businesslike. Watching the body language of the team before the game in, a, in an arguably a very difficult place, and you and I understand that they're not coming out of the stands with knives and hatchets. To, you know, it's just noisy and enjoy it. But a lot of the young guys, maybe they're a little awe-inspired by the whole thing. So there's some leadership em emerging from this football team. Where, where's it coming from? You know, I just think our kids are, you know, these are real coachable guys, and um, they're real locked in. They really want to be great, and uh, they understood how we had to go how we had to approach this game, uh, how we had to be physically tough and mentally tough, and uh, and there would be challenges. And, um, you know, uh, I thought that they, um, as you said, I think there was, you know, a lot of emotion and a lot of energy going into the game, but there was a, a, a business-like approach to it. I thought the guys that have less experience um, did a great job of, of, of managing it. There's always things that maybe you didn't see in there that happened that, mm -hmm. you know, our young, you know, our issues, you know, especially like, like I always refer to the apex of the offense. You know, when you talk about the defense and the offense, there's an apex. Yep. And in and the offense, it's the center quarterback kind of tailback. That's the apex of the offense. And, you know, we, we have a lot of the time there are three freshmen operating in there. And, yeah. um, and I thought that they managed that environment pretty well. We, uh, you know, we had one snap on the ground in a very favorable early on field position, which cost us um, uh, a little bit. Um, but that's about it, <laughs> you know, operationally. And, um, and that was a byproduct of just, you know, the noise and not hearing the cadence quite enough. And, um, but I thought that got corrected real quick. So uh, It's amazing when you consider maybe one other program in the country that has a freshman center, a freshman quarterback, and a freshman tailback yeah. as your apex. I can't name one. I don't think there is one. But you know what? Yeah, there is one. It's in Chestnut Hill. You know what, though? It's exciting. And, 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 and in there, John Hillman, our senior back, is playing his best football. But, he is. But it's exciting um, because these are great players. I mean, they're not going to be good players. They're going to be great players. Right. And when you can see those guys playing to the level they're playing at right now in those kind of environments, you know, you can't help but smile. And... and you know, you know that good good days are ahead, and, and and it's my job, our job, my job to make sure that I accelerate this uh, as yeah. fast as I can, and um, and I think we're doing that to the best of our ability. It'll never be good enough for everybody. I got that, and I understand that. But um, in the same breath, big picture here, uh, I like I like where we're headed, and and I'm not naive enough to think now that with these guys, there's not more roller coaster rides ahead. Okay. But as long as you know that you can get to the end line with those guys, you know, um, just think about having three more years with that situation. That's pretty good. And just think about the guys that we lost that are going to come back for their fifth year. Right. Pretty good. And think about the guys that have stepped up in their place that are playing really well that will all be back. Pretty good. So we we're, we're have a chance to get to where – BC, when they've had their best years, has been with a bunch of 
uh, fourth and fifth year players. Yes. And, and if there's a silver lining to all of that, that's it. Uh, unfortunately, um, game two of the season, um, you know, got away from us um, with some of the uh, upheaval that we had. But, you know, we move forward. And, 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 and we are. And, uh, and I think you saw that Saturday. And I think that's, that's what you're, you know, you can really take away. That's real. That wasn't, you know, it wasn't like anybody gave us anything. We had to go in there and take what we got, which wasn't enough because we didn't win. But it certainly was uh, impressive, I think, to show where, this, where, these, where we can be. I think it definitely resonated around the country. There's no doubt about that. And a guy who can speak to that is going to join us next. Great friend of the program, one of the great broadcasters working today, Joe Testator, will stop by next on the BC Football Show. After this, from Jake and Joe's in Waltham. Bryant to throw at the 20. Here comes Landry on him. Got a hand on it, and it's picked off at the 50 by BC. To the 40, to the 35, to the 30 is Isaac Yidem, and he's tackled at the 28. That's a pass rush interception as Harold Landry got a hand on Kelly Bryant. Welcome back to the Boston College Football Show, presented by Bud Light. To talk more X's and O's with Coach Adazio, here again, John Meter Perel. Good to have you with us on the BC Football Show. Don't forget, we're here every Monday night with Coach Adazio and a cast of thousands, including the Gridiron Club, Paul Crescioni, good friend John McDonald over there in the corner. Paul was out there sweating on the sidelines with Scott Mutrin, sweating down there. I thought we might lose Mute due to dehydration. That might have been an issue. I, I, we laugh about it, but it must have been brutal down there. Pete and I were in air conditioning. I was pretty, it was pretty hot and humid down there, yeah. It was... Yeah. It was uh... It was it was tough. Yeah, but your players handled it well. Is that, oh, yeah. is that something you guys? How do you manage that? You know, I think the fact that on both sides of the ball they play. We were in tempo every day, and, and yeah. we also practice every day inside the stadium. And on the turf, with the sun reflecting off the aluminum, it gets really hot in there. So in a weird way, it kind of really prepared us, yeah. and, and so I thought we handled it really well. No, you yeah, did. We thought the conditioning might have been a factor, but. When you consider the, the, the up-tempo offense, how many plays? I, I didn't get the final number on, on uh, your, your I mean, offense. We didn't run the amount of plays we wanted to and, I, and really reflective of our, our poor third-down conversion ratio. Um, and, you know, having pretty good field position, I think, you know, you're trying to keep that a good field position deal. And, uh, you know, so there's a couple times where across the 50 where you're, you're putting that ball, trying to keep them on the long field, which was part of our plan, right? And uh, so I think that took away probably in that game legitimately uh, 15 snaps at least. Yeah. yeah I want to I get to your special teams coming up. But first, we've got to head to the phone lines and join our good friend Joe Tessitore from ABC and ESPN, one of the great voices of college football and all college sports for that matter. Good evening, Joe. How are you? Gelvin, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Joe. Great to hear your voice. Hey, hey Coach, not only you hear my voice, but I can actually see you because I'm watching this on Twitter right now, and i got to know, <laughs> wow. what are you hiding behind that helmet? There's a plate of something there. What are you eating? All right, listen, Joe, okay? I've, I'm down 26 pounds. I've got this new outlook on life, okay? So I'm not on this macaroni and meatballs and bread and carbs. I'm on lettuce and grilled chicken, so I'm hiding it. I'm trying to hide it from myself and pretend maybe like I'm eating a dish of uh, gava deals, but I'm not. Yeah, you look great. John and Peter, I got to tell you, I was on the road from Florida, Michigan on ABC week one, 
and I'm sitting in my hotel room listening to you guys call the game at Northern Illinois. I'm screaming in the hotel, the Hilton Arlington. I got you guys blasting throughout the hotel. The hotel's packed with Florida and Michigan fans, and D.C. football was taking over the eighth floor, and I loved every second of it right to the wire. It was a great call by you guys. It was a great way to start the season. But I'm going to struggle to get the image of Paul Crescioni sweating down at Clemson out of my head right now. <laughs> that wasn't a pretty sight, that's for sure. I that was... It's pretty. There's nothing pretty about that at all. I think he yeah. was swimming down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the wet shirt contest wasn't anything you wanted to be a part of right there. Not, yeah. Hey, Coach, that's not who I'm looking for in a wet T-shirt. Christiani's not who I'm looking for. Christiani hits Daytona Beach. Hey, hey, Joe, you mentioned your preparations in week one. What's it like for you on a Monday to get prepared for the game you're doing this week? And what game are you doing this week? John, I'm doing Alabama this week against Ole Miss. I always love, and listen, Todd Blackledge, Holly Rowe, and I, in doing the ESPN Prime game, we get a heavy dose of Alabama throughout the year. But this is going to be our first Bama game. I was able to go down this spring and spend a week with Coach Saban and the staff and, and do their spring game with Kirk Bird Street. I always like doing that in spring, but it's always special anytime you get down to Tuscaloosa Ball, primetime game, the number one team in the country. They're playing Ole Miss. Everybody knows the situation Ole Miss is in, but they've given them fits in recent years. You know about the two upsets going back three years ago, and then last year, people forget, they had them in a big hole. Bama had a rally. So, listen, and Steve knows this better than anybody because he's wired exactly like me. I am a preparation nut. I got up this morning at 5.30. I had three espressos. I'm watching film. I'm digging deep into the Alabama roster. I'm calling down the Tuscaloosa all afternoon long. We're just getting ready. To me, my love of football is my love of preparation and always wanting to be better in life somehow. And that's why I don't take lightly when Coach says and stresses what he just said in the first portion of this show about coachable guys and guys who want to be great and guys who understand challenges. And no matter what I see when I watch BC on a Saturday afternoon, no matter what the scoreboard shows up like, I know that's a fact. I know that that roster is filled with like-minded guys with high standards who believe in that. Oh, well, well Joe, a great a question regarding preparation. I get this a lot. Uh, I'm, I am of the same school that you are. Always be overprepared. But uh, people always ask me, do you pl- in, get involved in fantasy football? I said, my fantasy football is in Chestnut Hill. <laughs> I couldn't do fantasy football. I have no time. But uh, you, you don't play that stuff, do you? No, uh, no, I, I, I don't. No, in fact... I had been in a league. I turned it over to my son, and that's the end of that. No, my, listen, I'm living the fantasy, brother. I'm getting on a plane every Thursday and going to the primetime game on ABC or ESPN. That is the fantasy for me. Yeah. You're the best, man. I'll tell you what. You know, you, 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 Joe, you are the absolute best of your profession. You really are, and, uh, and everybody knows it. And so that preparation and that mindset and the way you approach everything is is remarkable and, and just like any profession you're at the top of it man you really are you know i got I, and i could reflect that right back to you and your staff in terms of the way you go you guys go about your business i want to share something with you coach because i know a few weeks ago and i went up and, and spent an afternoon with you just to check in with you and visit with you and, and spend some time with you and we had one of my favorite crews that did the notre dame game and todd mcshay and brian greasy steve levy and I was talking to McShay afterwards, and he said, listen, we travel the country every week. We're with every staff every week. 
And he said to me, he said, Tess, he said, how many staffs in the country that I'm with or you're with have more football knowledge and ability to coach the sport than that staff that I just spent time with? And that's a great compliment to you and the guys. And he couldn't be more sincere in saying that. I appreciate that. And, uh, Appreciate everything that uh, all of you guys do for college football. How do you see this? Listen, it's the best sport in the country. There's there's nothing in the country that is more passion based or people take pride in more. It listen, pros. I know. Listen, Boston at the end of the day is a pro sports town with a pocketing great appreciation for the grand tradition of BC football. But people live in their identity is college football. When you're a college football fan, there's nothing like it. And I take great pride. I'll tell you the, the thing I take great pride in something that I'm so glad that you brought to the forefront as the face of our program. But I'm sitting around in a press box every Saturday, and I demand of my crew that that they put D.C. football up in the monitor. And we're sitting up there with all my guys and Todd Blackledge and everybody on my crew. Whenever every ESPN crew and ACC crew shows that shot of our young men dressed nicely in blazers, coming down the million-dollar stairs, looking like a class organization with focus on their face. That, to me, has become one of the great new traditions in B.C. and in college football. I love seeing that shot every week, Coach. I'm so glad that you make that a priority. Well, it is a priority, and I love it, too. And I'll tell you, the other thing I love, and it's just special here, I don't know how many people have had a chance to be a part of it, is, is when we have a pregame mass, and uh, Father Jack does our mass, and, um, and the opportunity to be there all together as a team and, and to be able to share faith and to be able to... Uh, share the sign of peace with each other and, and, and to hug each other as we get ready to to go down those stairs and go into that game uh, is a special deal that you know you just really appreciate being at BC and having the opportunity to be a part of something like that our kids from all face uh, feel like that's one of the special moments of their life is that mass and the ability to come down those stairs and the pride they have and wearing the blazer and being a part of this uh, uh, university um, we take a lot of pride in that, and and uh, and it's real important, and uh, and I'm no glad that I'm part it. of it. Yeah, no, that's, that is a very underplayed tradition, and we should all uh, take note of that. Joe, how do you see the as as the Heismanology expert at ESPN? Uh, we always look forward to that in the upcoming weeks, especially as the season goes further. Here, how do you see the Heisman race uh, handicapped at this early stage? I'll tell you. Listen, I always say at this stage of the game, and as you know, I've sort of been the de facto Heisman expert at the network for years. But I always say at this stage, it's about getting to the starting gate of who's going to be in the Heisman race. But this year, unlike other years, to me, you have two horses in the starting gate, Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley, that may have themselves a match race here. I had the Penn State game a few weeks ago. I went to practice on Thursday. Coach, I was blown away to see the physical I mean, what, what Saquon Barkley is physically and what he's able to do on the field is just dynamic. And then yeah. you see how he's, lit, you know, he's led that team and what happened on Saturday with his all-purpose yards. It was awesome. Mayfield has got that swag, that hit factor. He's got the signature win on the road. But I think those two guys are out in front right now. It's a long way. And sometimes when you're up on that Heisman pedestal, one bad night, one loss, and you get torn down, and, and the guy who tends to move late and overtake things, but as it stands right now, those two guys are set up to have a magical year job. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. Those two guys are elite guys, no doubt about it. Yeah, Barkley looks like uh, 
Barry Sanders, the move he made on Saturday. We were watching it on the Unbelievable. Point. Unbelievable. Unbelievable move he made. When he came to a dead stop and then re-engaged, his acceleration to the outside was unlike anything I've ever seen before. He looked like Cronin in the Mots. Yeah, but I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing football. He looked like Cronin chasing a So I think I was running from the from the constable. That would What about the championship contenders? Uh, we walked away looking at Clemson and saying, "All right, you know that coach would t- say that that's one hell of a team." Uh, I thought they might have looked a little weaker than they do last year. What do I know? But is it going to be an Alabama collision, Clemson collision course? You know, Saturday, this past Saturday night, I did the Georgia-Mississippi State game, which a lot of people were framing as who's the second-best team in the SEC. There is no doubt about it who the second-best team in the SEC is because Georgia is loaded at linebacker. They have one of the deepest groups of running backs in the country, and I think they're going to get better and better as the season goes on with a freshman quarterback that's going to get his feet underneath them. I think that's the real challenge to Alabama, but it won't happen until they get to Atlanta. I think the Big 12 is shaping up really well to produce a college football playoff team as Oklahoma and TCU continue the type of seasons that they're having. I think USC and Washington are on a collision course because they don't play each other in the regular season. They would meet up in the Pac-12 title game. And then I've got to wait to see what happens in the Big 10. Uh, Clemson obviously is, is in you know the driver's seat with things. Um, although I will say this. You know, we make these grand assumptions that we see these teams in these really nice glossy numbers next to their name and things are going to play out a certain way. I would contend if a bouncing ball goes the other way the other day and a BC Eagle falls on it, or if a big chunk play down the sidelines with a miraculous catch doesn't happen, who knows how we're even talking about Clemson right now as a 3-1 and team instead of a 4-0 and team. And those moments are always right around the corner with everybody, as we saw last year with Clemson catching a loss, you know, prior to them getting to a championship moment. But if, if we were to frame it right now, I like the Big 12 producing a playoff team. I like Clemson. I like Alabama. And I like the winner of USC-Washington. Penn State has to play at Ohio State. Michigan is still going to be a factor. Everybody could catch a loss there. Here's what I would say to you, Joe. I'll give my two cents to my man Meter here. Just because BC played him deep into the 477. That's a credit to BC. Absolutely. I would tell you that I've watched that tape inside and out. I would tell you that Clemson team is extremely talented and very they good. Are. And the fact that we played them, we did, don't make that as, I think that's a positive for us more than it is a negative for them. And, and that's a shame. That's how these things go. And that's crazy. That's lunacy. Um, I watch a lot of football. That offensive, that defense is elite. That offensive line is elite. I think that quarterback's phenomenal. I look and talk about Georgia. I watch a lot of Georgia because I watched the Georgia-Notre Dame game. Georgia put 20 points up uh, against Notre Dame. Um, I think Georgia's got a really good defense. I think Notre Dame's an outstanding team. And I saw, you know, I, I watched all that stuff go down. And I saw everybody talk about so early this team is all that. But, you know, what happened was Georgia went out there and played an unbelievable football game. And, and, and dominated that game last week. I think in our conference, um, and I'm not here to, I'm not trying to raise the flag for the conference. I think that our conference right now is extremely talented. Uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm watching these teams, and uh, I tell you what, you know, uh, I think they're as good as anybody in the country. And so I, I like to see all of that play out. Um, you know, that's my opinion. So I, I'd say that Clemson, to me, 
That's a hell of a football yeah, no, team I right there. I mean, I think they're a rank where they belong. I think they're a rank where they belong. And I'd be careful not to say that they might not be one of the best, if not the best. Well, I, I think everybody right now, listen, when we were wrapping up our day on ABC and ESPN and, and we went and had our college football final show, both of our analysts had Clemson number one over Alabama when they put forth the rankings at the end of the day. And it is a credit to what you guys did the other day for that to be a 7-7 game with the game on the line in the midst of the fourth quarter where one turnover here or there really was going to determine that game. But, John and Peter, what you just heard from Coach right there, and listen, I'm with all these head coaches every week. They live in a silo. They very rarely can see the world with great perspective outside of their own team. That is why every year Steve Adazio gets invited on to ESPN to be one of our analysts in the postseason. His perspective on college football is absolutely superb, and his ability to give it to the public is great. It, excellent analyst right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I think Cronin's the analyst right here. And I'm just keeping the seat warm for you, Coach. Another 15, 20 years, you know, I'll be ready to retire. You can slip right in there. And If I go you know, back to eating pasta and meatballs, I'm not going to make it 15 or 20. It's going to be, oh, it's gonna be over for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll be toes up. Oh, jeez. But you, you'll have fun doing it. Yeah, I think about that sometimes. Maybe the trade-off's worth it. You know, lettuce and chicken or sfouillardelle. I don't know. Maybe I go with the sfouillardelle and, and go toes up a little earlier. I don't know. Maybe some people will hope that happens sooner than later. <laughs> hey, Joe Tessitore, we uh, hate to let you go so soon, but I got one last question. 30 seconds or less. you got to give me this. Battle of the Network stars this summer. I was addicted. I was addicted as a kid. Oh. I loved when Howard Cosell used to host it. Joe Tessitore is there with Mike Greenberg <laughs> on the Pepperdine campus yeah. calling Battle of the Network Stars. And I sat there with my 12-year-old son thinking, that's the job that I want. What was it like? Let me tell you something. Here's my one takeaway from spending the summer out in Malibu is be careful when you wear a polyester gold vintage ABC blazer from 1979. You don't want any matches close to you. That thing's going to go up in flames like it's got lighter fluid on it. It was an absolute blast. I think we all grew up watching Cosell and watching that show and thinking the world of it, and it was an absolute blast. But the classic blazer was snuck on a plane and brought back to New England. So if anybody ever wants a photo in it, just call me up. <laughs> I'd love to see it. I'd love to touch it. I mean, that's, that's history. television history, that's history right, right there. Yeah. TV history. Joe Tessitore, thanks so much for being a good sport. All right. Appreciate thanks, it. Guys. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Good luck this week. Go Eagles. Go, Go Eagles. Eagles. All right, Joe. Thanks. That's Joe Tessitore, proud BC grad here on the BC Football Show. We're back with more after this with another special guest at Jake and Joe's in Waltham. Bryant, shotgun, fourth and four. They're going for it. Bryant looking left. Rushes. Oh, they got him. They gobble him up at the 45. Ty Schwab with a hit. Great job by the defense. And Clemson turns it over on downs with four seconds remaining. How do you like that? The Boston College Football Show presented by Bud Light continues. Here again, John Meter Perel. Ty Schwab has been a linchpin for the BC defense this year. We'll talk about him in a moment with Coach Steve Adazio after Joe Tessitore. Cast of Thousands continues here at Jake and Joe's in Waltham. Pleasure to be joined by one of the great BC receivers from years gone by, Tony Gonzalez. Good to see you, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, one thing that Pete and I always remarked about your career, you played with some great quarterbacks, including Matt Ryan, but 
you always made plays. He, coach, he was one of those guys where you went to in the clutch moments. You knew Tony Gonzalez was going to make the catch, and that is a testament to your ability. Did you feel like you elevated in those types of clutch situations? Yeah, I felt like, uh, you know, the, the play is the play. You know, you go out and you play the football play, and when things break down, uh, you gotta you gotta look to, to make something happen. And um, I played with some great quarterbacks at, at Boston College, and it just seemed that uh, when the play did break down, it, the ball found its way to in my direction. And you know, when the ball's in the air, you go make plays, and, and then that was, that's what it did. And as a local kid from Framingham, when you were growing up, was BC a place that you always looked at and said, "That's where I want to play"? Yeah, I had um, I had some aspirations at uh, you know. Schools all over. Every time I turned on football uh, on Saturday, it was this game was on. You saw the the electric atmosphere, and it, the atmosphere is I want to go there, and then it, I want to go there. And then uh, as I got a little older, I got more into you know the local schools. And um, former BC running back Omari Walker was one of my high school football coaches, and he got to show me a lot of his film and uh, telling me a lot about the, the school. And from there, it was it was uh, it was Boston College set on my mind. Now, one thing I, you know, to kind of jump on Meat's point, uh, you made some of those quarterbacks look pretty good. Uh, a couple of stretched out, like, it's really easy when you watch the game now, the lack of productivity at that position where guys drop balls that are that hit them in the hands. You were a guy who had flypaper for hands. You were able to go, go get stuff. And I remember you going horizontal a lot, making plays. And were you horizontal as a kid? You diving off things, and you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I don't know. I'm not too sure. I, I'm, maybe I was, and you know, I just don't remember hitting my head too many times. But, uh, <clears throat> but I just remember. I mean, I played quarterback in high school, and um, had the ball in my hands a lot. And I just, you know, every time you had the ball in your hands, you just wanted to make play. You wanted to make something happen. And um, while we were at uh, BC, you know, Coach Bible always said, "When that ball's in your, when that ball's in the air, it's it's ours." No well, you the, the, the point being, you had great catch radius. Mm. I mean, you would you would find a way to get yourself get to the it. ball to make the play. Right, right. You know, just just find the openings. Uh, the ball's there. The ball's yours. And um, I took a lot of pride in that. You know, drops weren't something that you do as a receiver. So uh, I took a lot of pride in catching the ball, and took a lot of pr- pr- pride in blocking as well. So you know, when that ball's in the air, you go get it and hope for the best. Yeah, and he's uh, also, he's being a little bashful here. Big time moments. South Bend 2004. He catch the winning about. touchdown pass. It's 25-24 BC. 2006 Central Michigan. It's about 100 degrees on the turf. You probably remember that oh, yeah. fondly. Oh, yeah. And you catch the winning touchdown from Matt Ryan. Brian Kelly was the coach at Central Michigan at that point. Very good team. Still are. And so those types of moments are highlight film moments. So you probably look back and say, you know what? I wasn't too shabby. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like I got um, I got the games on DVD. I throw them in every now and again just to you know put a little refresher on my mind. That, hey, it, it was it was fun while I was there. But um, yeah, some of those memories that they'll they'll never go. You know, you go to a BC game. I've been to a few since uh, since I graduated, and you know you got people coming up and you know bringing back those memories. And we went to the uh, the Matt Ryan jersey retirement, and you Excellent. know was there with Andre Callender and a bunch of guys who. who who stuck around, and, you know, we got to, to talking. Jason Vetti was there as well. And um, we just got to talking and, you know, bringing those memories back. It was, it was awesome. It was great. Now, one of the things, uh, I'm also a Framingham guy, but one of the great benefits of going to a place like Boston College is you get to stay close. It's obvious you stayed in the area. Um, 
there's a real benefit if you can get away with it. Some kids, it's a different story, but you stuck, you stuck around. Now, uh, what are you doing with yourself these days? Um, I actually uh, just started a new job today. I was in education. Uh, I was teaching at Framingham High School for, for the previous nine years. And actually, today was my first day, um, Sherbin Police. Okay. Uh, first day on the job. Excellent. You know, stuck in and, you know, watching the dispatcher go in and, that was good. So that's that career-wise. That's what's uh, no speeding through Sherbin meat. Hey, it's my backyard, crying. Well, maybe that's a good thing. You might get a break. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. Now I know Officer Gonzalez. But again, we're going through this kid's resume here, Coach. He was drafted by the Red Sox. This kid could have been Deion Sanders. I mean, he was you know two sports star, Bo Jackson, light, right, Tony? It was. Was it a hard decision it for you? It, um, yeah, originally it was. You know, initially uh, you go through the, the you know the process of uh, you know negotiations and whatnot, and when it uh, when it came down to it, uh, sat down with my family and and just weighed the options is what they were offering good good enough to give up a, a scholarship and. Uh, years of football at a great place like Boston College, and at the end of the day, it wasn't. And uh, we made the decision to, to go that route. And people ask me all the time, "Hey, what if? What if?" And, you what know, position, Tony? You play in baseball? I played center field. Oh wow! Center field. Yeah, good ball so, skills. A lot of tracking balls and yeah. kind of you know just staying busy, running around was was what I did as a kid. And and um, middle school went the same thing. And good hitter. Yeah, I, yeah, I hit the ball well. Uh, senior year, I. Led to state, I had 568. My average was 568. And I think that's what brought him. You didn't try to play both in college? I did. Um, Coach O'Brien gave, gave me the option, said just, you know, one of it, and I remember it to this day, just solidify yourself on the football field because that's where the money's coming from. And we'll give you uh, we'll give you an opportunity. This first day of uh, first day of practice after we we uh, we broke from camp, uh, I was on the scout team, overran the punt. Over in the block, punt got kicked in my knee, and then there goes eight weeks of my year just at a uh, sprained PCL. Yeah. So at that point, I kind of threw baseball out of my mind and focused on uh, recovering, getting healthy, and getting in that playbook and doing what I could do to help that football team. Yeah, great. Yeah, he's a, certainly a testament to what a BC guy is. Tony Gonzalez, great to see you. Thanks for having me. And thanks, thanks for – don't be a stranger at the Heights. Not at all. Tony, nice to see you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Congratulations. Officer Gonzalez, look out in Sherbourne. He's Cronin. I'm Ida Perel. Adazio is here as well. Coach Adazio is here as well. I should be more respectful. Coach Adazio. Nah, you're good. All right. Well, coming back, we're going to get our keys to the game from McGovern Chrysler Jeep. It's BC and Central Michigan coming up on Saturday at 1. After this, from Jake and Joe's. Shotgun, Bryant back to throw at midfield, rushes off, he fires, and picked off on a rebound by Lucas Dennis. At the 35, he gets upended. Hunter Renfro missed it, went off his fingertips, and Dennis was the beneficiary. Welcome back to the Boston College Football Show, presented by Bud Light. To talk more X's and O's with Coach Adazio, here again, John Meter Perel. How about that? BC secondary, Lucas Dennis now with three interceptions, moving to safety, and that's paid off, Steve Adazio, as we move into our keys to the game presented by our good friends, McGovern, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. But Dennis, Yidem with two picks on Saturday. They're coming together nicely, and you've got to feel good about your back four now, don't you? Yeah, I mean, we're getting there. I mean, Lucas is really starting to develop and get some experience now, you know. Um, he hadn't played a ton of football before this, but uh, he's got a lot of ability. And uh, it's a great kid, working really, really hard and, uh, and improving. Yeah, it seems like their ball hawking skills are certainly coming around. Well, we're making, 
we're making some of those interceptions for sure, and that's uh, that's what it's all about, you know. And uh, we're we're, we're <laughs> hoping to get a couple of these uh, fumbles our way. That that was yeah. bizarre in a game, huh? When Oof. the thing came popping out of there, it bounced right to the old line, and he gets a first down with him. He can't make it up. That was unbelievable. Know? Twelve yards around the end. Three hundred and twenty pounds, rumbling, fumbling, and bumbling down the sidelines. Yeah, crazy. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, that was. It's not even turf. It's grass. It's uh, crazy. But a keys to the game against Central Michigan. They're coming off a loss to Miami of Ohio. Is expected to be a top team in the MAC this year. Uh, two and two. They beat uh, Rhode Island in triple overtime. Uh, also another win for them. What do you know about them? Kansas. And are they? Yeah, Kansas was the other one. What? What, what can we expect to see? Well, I mean, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I have a lot of respect for the MAC conference. I coach in that conference. That's a good football conference, and there's some good football teams in there. Those guys are tough, hard-nosed kids, and and they line up, and they get a chance to play against Power Five teams. I mean, they're putting it all on the line. Obviously, uh, you saw they beat Kansas, and uh, they did a really great job in that game. They have a, their offense is pretty good. They've got the transfer quarterback out of Michigan, and and uh, they're pretty explosive on offense and. Uh, you know, uh, on defense, they're pretty stout. So uh, they're going to come in here, uh, you know, fired up and, and, and looking to, 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 to get a win against a Power 5 team. So what we have to do is, as I say each week, you know, we've got to continue to improve. And uh, we've got to get more consistency. Um, uh, we need to do better on third downs. Yep. And uh, that's, that's, that's huge because that reflective, reflects on our amount of plays we run. We've got to run the ball more consistently. We need to create some more explosives. You know, we were very explosive in training camp, and we need to get back to that right now. And uh, so we need to go, we're really working hard on that. On defense, we want to continue to where we left off and, 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 and really continue to develop uh, defensively. And, I, and I'm, I know some real explosions are right around the corner in special teams. So I think the explosiveness is something that I'd like to see really happen um, on, on Saturday. You're talking about the Central Michigan team and, and also what happened at Clemson, with excellent secondary play, what we noticed was pressure. The relationship between pressure on the quarterback and the ability to, for a secondary to exploit a passing game. There, there seemed to be a, a remarkable difference in the ability to get to the quarterback last week. Yeah, I mean, we did it with a four-man rush so we could play too high. And I think the amazing thing is that... Um, you know, uh, Clemson's offense line is really talented. I mean, I was watching the game tape with the defensive coaches on Sunday, and I mean, that was a really good offensive line. I mean, we did that against a high-caliber outfit. And uh, we had some occasional pressures in there. We mixed them in. It wasn't all, you know, a four-man rush. We had some five-man rush. We had some, you know, three-down fronts that we were able to create four-man rushes with the linebackers, with Kevin Bletzer, with um, with uh, Ty Schwab and, and, and John Lamont and, uh, and Max when he was still in in the first half. So... Uh, you know that that was really critical, and uh, but but uh, against a really good offensive line, we did get to the quarterback and create a lot of hurries and disrupt it. There was a point there where, to me, they were kind of like giving up on their throw game a little bit, and uh, we were discouraging that with the way we played them, uh, not giving them those man-to-man deep shots. Quickly, injury situation. Do we know where we stand now with the guys that were injured? Not yet. Um, it's too early in the week right now. Um, I think we're in the uh, still in the assessment phase of that, and uh, hopefully by Thursday we're going to have a obviously a much clearer picture of where we stand. Coach Dazio, thanks very much. Always thanks, a John. pleasure. Great to see you. Pete, thanks. Coach, good Great luck this week.
BC and the Chippewas of Central Michigan at Alumni Stadium on Saturday at 1 on the BCIMG Sports Network. Special thanks to Bletzer and Bletzer BC, full-service law firm that's been in practice for over 50 years, conveniently located in Brighton. The Bletzer family out in full force tonight. He's Pete Cronin. He's Steve Adazio. I'm Jami DePerel. Special thanks to Steve Chachio, Jason Baum for the BC Sports Information staff, and Barry Gallup, of course, as well. Good night, everybody, from Jake and Joe's. We'll catch you Saturday at the Heights. Have a great week, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.